Welcome to Jaffa Taste, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate, and we're almost done with season one, and it's a clip show! Yay! Clip show, clip show, clip show! Woo! This is gonna be mostly, not even mostly, like, I, I bet if you count the running time of this episode, it's like less than half of it is clips, but still, uh, a lot of stuff we've seen before, uh, but uh, it's fine, there's still stuff to talk about here. Uh, so, joining me today, we have Kivika. Hey, hey. We have M. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything. You're just gonna have to put in a clip of me. Okay, and <laughs> will be played entirely by clips from past episodes. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna take like a month to edit this episode. Uh, <laughs> and we have Jimmy Dean. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah. So this is the penultimate episode of season one, and it's part two of four. And this is a perfect place for them to stick in a big old clip show like the '90s used to have, where you you would uh, take a freebie basically on one of the episodes of your season and like make it for free based on old footage, uh, more or less, because you, you do still have to, I guess, play whatever you pay Ronnie Cox to show up for one episode of a sci-fi show. Uh, I assume he was uh, marginal more expensive as a as a guest actor than like uh simmons who's the other uh returning uh, recurring character we who whom we've missed so much who comes back uh, for this episode here um but yeah this is an episode that uh has a lot to do with the stuff that we've been like talking sort of like keeping uh talking about throughout this whole season where at the end of each episode it seems like whatever they were going to bring back from this mission is just taken from them <laughs> and then they come back completely empty-handed uh and finally uh they have to pay the piper about that about that in this episode even though like they kind of barely mention that it's not even but yeah <laughs> Uh, they they don't really talk about advancements or technology. No. It's more uh, like they don't feel the necessity uh, needed by the organization in a defense capacity. Uh-huh. The whole episode is about defensive ca- capabilities. Yes. Yeah, right. It's it's just about this one uh, grumpy senator who's uh, who sees the budget for the SGC on a like a balance sheet and goes, oh, no, no, we have to cut that, even though it's part of the U.S.'s military budget, and he's extremely Republican-coded, so you would think he would be in favor of, of uh, sending whatever money needs to be thrown into a black hole with no accountability. Uh, but here we are. Uh, this is where they have to uh, basically uh, interview for their own jobs and play a lot of clips from past episodes well, see, to do the that. Assumption, the assumption that you have there... Is, is that Lockheed Martin is not involved in the Stargate program, <laughs> right? So he's got he's got but, no I mean, stocks. He's they, got no they, investment. They have M16s and stuff. They bring guns to these alien planets. They shoot bullets with some regularity. You would think these. They shoot a French gun. 
<laughs> oh, do they? They they use famuses? I think it's like M16s. They they're, they're going to have P90s later, which I are, oh, are P90s not, I, French? No, they're uh Belgian? Belgian. Belgian. Okay, yeah. So I I believe so far since uh, like as of season 1 they use uh American guns, but uh also as the as the story progresses, they'll start using more and more alien guns, like as early as next episode. So I, I bet the weapons contractors uh, aren't thrilled about that. But you are right that like it's it's almost weird that they they as the U.S. military that they end up like their signature guns that they start using in like season four. I think, I think they, uh, would be a Belgian. They've got like one. six staff web. They've got like six staff weapons sitting in the air armory at this point you could just <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you could like just casually yeah. drop one of those off at lockheed martin and you know that would <laughs> yeah yeah just, just just like send it to their r&d make them figure it out figure something out find find out find out some way to sell ammo for it which is the main part you know you don't want an infinitely firing gun because where's the profit in that uh and then you're then you're good to go um so but we, yeah no, we... none of that is are we saying the problem Sorry. is that Stargate hasn't been instrumental in the election of uh, politicians? Yeah, that's probably it. Like no one, no one is like writing their campaign on this since it's uh, since it's classified anyway, so it can't possibly be an electoral uh, platform for anyone to have. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is yeah. Uh, they have a, a real grumpy Ronnie Cox comes comes to the office and like uh, shits on them for a good forty four <laughs> minutes in this episode. Um, well, before but we get st- too into it, I do have one overall question about this episode. Uh huh. Why isn't Mayborn in it? Yeah, uh, I know, right? It seems like... Well, I mean, Mayborn is in charge, question mark, of Area 51. Uh, so he's like... they. I guess he would all... Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if his facility is on the chopping block, too. Uh, it, it feels like he wouldn't necessarily be on the side of cutting funding to this place. But he is, like, in a similar vein of antagonistic human american characters that simmons and and uh and senator kinsey are uh yeah uh it feels like it would have been a good time to bring him back if you needed another punching bag face to to have on this show uh but no he's not in this one he's not going to show up again until season two um but yeah no uh and this is also like like uh, kind of alluded to last episode that uh there was like kind of a four-parter and this would be part two of it like because this opens with uh daniel still reeling from the end of last episode he still has that wound on his shoulder on his arm that seems like not as bad as it was last week for some reason it seems like it grazed him more now than it did when he got shot in the in the back of the shoulder by alternate teal at the end of last episode um but yeah he's he's having that fixed and he still has that little uh, crumpled piece of yellow paper that he wrote uh, the coordinates to uh, the to the planet where that other planet was warning them of in this uh, in in this alternate reality, which is still not going to get resolved in this episode. But he's reminding us of it. Um, and it exists. To con- yeah, it exists. It's out there, um, and he's trying to convince uh, the rest of the team about this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, specifically, O'Neill is like is the the, the team skeptic here because he's you know because alternate realities are such a weird sci-fi concept that 
couldn't possibly be true and whatever. Uh, Carter is more open-minded. Uh, well, first of all, like uh, they they ask it, like she asks Daniel if anything was different between the two realities, and like he says, well, yeah, Tilk was a bad guy, and you two were in- engaged, and like <laughs> Jack and Sam kind of like take a beat and like are surprised by this. Um, uh, there's there's a there's a bit. Well, sorry, was there yeah. any complication for why they couldn't? Or like, I guess any challenge for why they couldn't just go get the mirror to collaborate Daniel's story. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good because Actually, the because the controller got destroyed in the uh, yeah. Thing, so, but they they can't use it anymore because the yeah the Daniel lost the controller in the other uh, dimension. But uh, something I guess that it's still open though he never yeah. turned off. <clears throat> you would think I I don't know what like it's pro- is is gonna turn off eventually because <clears throat> one thing I can tell you for sure is that uh, they sent people to get that mirror back to Earth and it's either being transferred or already on Earth by this point because uh, it's gonna that, that mirror is gonna show up again in in future episodes so it's not out of the picture completely but it is true that like everyone is extremely skeptical of a story even though he has no reason to lie and we've seen like weirder alien stuff so far so why not and like Carter is uh, clearly like uh more con- conciliatory with that with that notion as she explains the science between behind everything that uh that might lead that to happen uh no matter what the tolans have to say about it um <clears throat> but like yeah and like O'Neill is kind of stuck on the part where they were engaged together and points out that it would be against regulations and you know Daniel doesn't explain that she, Sam wasn't in the military on that reality but it's anyway um Anyway, they get interrupted, and this is going to be the last we hear about this until the end of this episode, because Hammond walks in with Lieutenant Colonel Samuels now. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is back, uh, and <laughs> um, and like they they all like like uh, Ham- uh, Simmons is like all smiles, very happy to be here. Uh, he's like, "Hey, ding dong, hi! Uh, it's audit time," and like Hammond is like, "I haven't had the time to tell them because they just came back from a mission." Um, and yeah, they they end up. Uh, they say basically, uh, there's gonna be a visitor from the government. I think like, and after the the opening credits, Hammond explains to O'Neill what's going on, which is basically that this guy, Senator Kinsey, is head of the Budget Appropriations Committee or something, uh, chairman of the Appropriations Committee. I was almost, I almost had it. Um, <laughs> and apparently, uh, the budget of the SGC shows up on government budgets as Area 52, which is a very nice cover story there. You, you just like name your thing one number over the, the thing that all the conspiracy people already know or think is an alien thing to hide your actual alien thing that you're uh, sending secret money to. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that, a- that area, apparently caught. Area 52 Sorry. is also located at, uh, I'm, I'm looking, ABC Fake Street. <laughs> Very convincing. Oh and yeah, real. ABC Fake Street, not Colorado or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and like yeah. So basically, the thing that happened is uh, Kinsey saw that line item and he was like, "What is that? We we send seven billion dollars a year to Area Fifty Two. Let's cut that without even questioning it." And then like, I have a, sorry, I have a difficult time with with this budget. <laughs> amount yeah like they don't they've got no equipment 
Like, yeah, I like mean, they have, they have, they have some malps, right? They have, They've got like a half have, dozen malps. They have malps enough to throw away, apparently, because it seems like there's always something messing them up, and they lose them. And these things must be pretty expensive. Uh, they have a lot of CRT monitors that we see around. <laughs> they have, you know, like, everyone. Later in the episode, Hammond says that it costs like a billion dollars to open the gate yeah to to he says to turn on the lights i assume he means the overall electric bill is a billion dollars a year which you would think because the stargate itself draws a, he- a hell of a lot of power on top of all the computers and lights and whatever else they need aboard uh, on this base uh, but it doesn't the gate itself shouldn't be drawing any it should be using its own power source no no, no. it's the the gate is tied to the power grid they they have to power the gate like the, the, there was a thing in the in the Torment of Tantalus and the flashback scenes where Catherine said, try direct power for the Stargate and everything. So, like, it is powered, and if they pulled the plug on the Stargate, they wouldn't be able to dial out with it. Uh, not to mention all the computers that, like, t- plug into the Stargate to dial it, and however that works. Um, I am still, even this, even this far, still, the <laughs> gate is... So many, so many questions about how this thing's actually supposed to work. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> because, the, like, they could just work in the middle of Ant- being buried under Antarctica. Yeah. For. So the the way I understand it is that the Stargate that is the dial the the one that dials out is the one that needs to be powered, and that Stargate powers the the whole wormhole. And also, when there's a DHD, the DHD has a power source in it that powers the gate, and it's obviously a, a really high-performance alien battery that lasts for millions of years and whatever, so that they don't have to think about it. But uh, they don't have that on Earth. They have uh, the you know the the the, the power grid and what <laughs> and all the the lights in Colorado that must dim whenever they turn on the Stargate. Yeah, um, <laughs> like you'd have a real you know situation there if it if it takes that much uh-huh it get but billion like, it dollars a year it, in 98 money yeah yeah <laughs> but it can't take that much because even when they were on the prison planet uh-huh uh uh using, oh, right. using the little the, the plant-based uh yeah. fission so, so like some, some there's moss no way with, there's no with... way that a bowl of moss can <laughs> can generate a, a high amperage uh, yeah uh, uh well, We'll talk about you know? it when we get to that episode. There was also like the, the the one time they powered the Stargate with a lightning bolt, and I, it seems like like there's a lot of electricity in the Thunderbolt, but not not a billion dollars a year worth of it. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, I I will add to Kamika. I have the I'm on maybe another side of the whole budgetary issue of this episode, mm-hmm. in which. Uh, the senator is very concerned about the budget, uh, that America doesn't have the money for this. When in in 1998, America absolutely has the money for this. It is maybe yeah. the, the one of the only instances in which the United States has the change in that, pocket to pay for the Stargate project. Yeah, right? that, that was the time when like weapons contractors were uh, trying to... Like, to call on the CIA to start wars to make them buy more money because they like the, the US had all this money lying around and no wars to, to pour it into like like there was a bit of the first Metal Gear Solid game that was about that whole thing that came out in 98 um, yeah 
and like knowing that now the military budgets uh, of the US is like in the trillions uh, 7 billions seems like a drop a drop in the ocean uh, for, for all of that so it's, it's very different times uh, as, as as like as, as I've alluded to the fact that Kinsey is seems to be a Republican and is uh, apparently a budget hawk but to the extent that he's like he wants to cut the military and not like you know public services or anything is 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 really wild is it, it's a really alien view of how <laughs> the u.s government budgets this money compared to how we're uh accustomed to seeing it now uh let's say anyway yeah it's it, it's quaint Listen, he's fiscally conservative uh-huh, yeah he's like he's he's the one non-hypocrite he's actually fiscally conservative yeah uh, <laughs> uh that, that was something else I wanted to say, but I forgot where it was. Uh, oh yeah, the, the other thing is like the the military is like notorious for like putting like fifty bucks for a muffin on their budget or whatever. So like a billion dollars for electricity is just like whatever. Every contractor along the way b- bumps up their price because they know they can get it out of the military. I guess. Um, I mean, sure, that part's that part's fair. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we know that the SGC's cafeteria is is very well stocked. Uh, we haven't seen that much of it. But it's gonna be it's gonna be featured in future episodes. Um, they have Fruit Loops. They have Fruit Loops. They have Fruit Loops. Yeah, we'll we'll know that. And oatmeal. Uh, yeah, I thought you said they have nukes, and I was like, yeah, they do have that no. also. That's expensive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, speaking of food, like O'Neill starts joking. Uh, it's like, okay, we could like do some fundraisers to help everything. How about a bake sale and whatever? And Hammond uh, to uh, underline the gravity of this situation just. Like no sells O'Neill's joke and stares at him and says, "This is what I look like when I'm not la- not laughing." And O'Neill uh, <laughs> decides to uh, take the the Citro Bob Ray gag approach and just like take the joke further by adding car wash, which actually gets a chuckle out of, out of Hammond. Um, but that's all he's gonna get. Uh, yeah, and also yeah, yeah. So the 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 okay after all this budget discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our science fiction podcast, everyone. Uh, the the senator uh, didn't know what that was, and he apparently called Bill Clinton and said, "Hey, I'm gonna cut that." And Clinton said, "Wait, wait, wait. Come to my come to the Oval Office. Let's talk about it." And he went there and said, "Okay, so here you go." He he like gave him a file and said, "This is what we're paying for. Is these called the SGC? We have a Stargate. We send people to other planets <laughs> to fight aliens, and uh, there are only line of the." defense against the possible coming alien invasion and kinsey was like cool cool still gonna cut that and then Clinton was like ah oh, come on please go over there and talk to them and he said okay and that's where we are now uh, <laughs> so uh um, make sure you make sure you ask them about the bulls there are like some <laughs> oh yeah clinton loves the bulls uh not just the basketball team as it turns out um I so guess, like, yeah the, the the situation we have to imagine is that the the budget appropriations committee that Kinsey mm-hmm. is on is dead split, and he's the deciding <laughs> vote. Because he's yeah. the, he's like the chairman of that com- of that committee, so like what he says goes, I guess. And since he's the only person on that committee who went to the president to actually know what this is, uh, the implication he's 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 going to go back and just tell them yes or no, and they're going to have to take him at face value. I don't know if that committee is bipartisan or anything, because you know there's also the fact that the president is a Democrat and whatever. Uh, but I, I don't know. Um, 
it's it's weird. <laughs> we're we're already talking about way more politics than this episode titled "Politics" uh, is talking about. Uh, <laughs> this is all just like window dressing. Uh, the the framing device for our clip show here uh, is. Uh, is that Kinsey's coming to talk to them to, to audit the entire SGC ba- basically. Uh, we have like a SG1 is in the briefing room and talking a little bit before the senator gets there. Uh, and Daniel says, I should really tell everyone about the coming alien invasion and we should go to stop it right now. It's more important than this bullshit. And Oni is like, yeah, so how about you don't mention this right now because I don't think that's going to help our case. So uh, Daniel is going to keep his mouth shut for most of the episode about that now. Um, and then like, it definitely yeah. would have been a stronger argument if he didn't wait to the last minute and look like a crazy person. Yeah, maybe because like Kinsey was already like, Kinsey enters the room with like one out of ten patients and he ends up at negative five by the time Daniel talks to him. I, so I don't know if there's a situation or a time during that meeting in which Daniel can bring that up and not sound no. like a crazy person. Uh, no, that's the thing, yeah. And Kinsey is just... Sure, but he would sound less like a crazy person. <laughs> right. And Kinsey, every single thing someone says to him, he rolls his eyes and opens his mouth and make a jerk, makes a jerk-off motion, basically. Uh, he's like, he doesn't, like, he, he's not giving these people the time of day. He's completely in bad faith, not even willing to consider the option of, of uh, letting this place stay up. From the moment he enters the scene, you know this about him already because he's played by Ronnie Cox. Uh, an actor you've seen as the bad guy from RoboCop and that one other captain on Star Trek TNG that made uh, Troy wear a regular uniform and that's the main thing people remember him for. Uh, Uh, He's also the bad guy in Total Recall, thank you very much. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, v- uh, recurring Verhoeven bad guy. Uh, so you know, you know he's going to be friendly when that's the guy they call here. Um, um, yeah. So he gets there, like he's like talking politics as he's coming down the stairs and say, "Oh, the senator from whatever doesn't know how to take no for an answer. That's why he's late to the meeting." Uh, and like the the first thing, like. He shakes O'Neill's hand and, like, uh, he, he, the senator says, I've heard a lot about you. And O'Neill says, don't believe a word of it. I'm actually a nice guy. And, like, that, he, the senator just no-sells it and walks past him. And you can tell from that second that O'Neill has already lost him. He's like, okay, I tried to be funny with him and it didn't work. And now I'm completely out of resources to save us. That was his <laughs> one hope. And this guy has no sense of humor. Fuck, we're fucked. Um... I, I have exactly two methods of dealing with problems. Yep. Jokes and guns. Yep. And I don't yeah. think the gun's going to good nope, one to I, use here. I don't think we can shoot this guy, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the, so Kinsey walks over to the window and looks at the Stargate and describes it as the drain through which the money flows, which is encouraging. Um, so I mean, blah, they, blah, they blah. Do- the fr- they do send a lot of robots and a lot of drones through. It, it is a right. lot of money through that portal. That is money. And they, they've lost it's- a few people, so they presumably have to, play, have to pay uh, whatever you call it, like uh, the, 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 the life insurance or the... the, the, the when, when you pay off the family of dead soldiers, there's a thing for that. Anyway, I forget what it's called. Uh, that also, that's also an expense that they have. Uh, 
So yeah, uh, Kinsey starts uh, the meeting by uh, with a little prepared part of his speech where he's like, I have nothing but respect for the military, blah, 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 blah. But I'm also really against like uh, opacity and secret stuff. And I'm all for transparency. And I'm, I really hate you because all your stuff is secret. And like, I guess that's not, once again, that's not even going to be what his main problem with this is, but it's just another excuse for him to be hostile to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, he says, okay, so before I came here, I read all the files of all your missions, and I tried to be nice, but also, but also uh, you disgust me, and I hope you die, and I'm going <laughs> to shut this face down. <laughs> he, he's very hostile to them. Um, but then he's like, this all right. Came, this guy came in and is like, oh, you and he has no interest in like no, trying to talk to them. He wanted like he wanted to be in his office sexually harassing his secretary, but he had to fly a plane to Colorado to talk to these jagoffs instead and now he's having a bad day and fuck these these people is this is Listen, the, the whole thing here. Some lobbyist could have been buying him a steak dinner right now. Instead he has to talk right. to Nerdo <laughs> Dr. Daniel Jackson. <laughs> Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but, but he's like, so the president, whom I really respect or whatever, told me to come over here and talk to you. So here I am, which is really funny because once again, Bill Clinton, a Democrat who is like, it's 1998, so the Republicans are currently trying to impeach Bill Clinton for getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. But uh, yeah, this man, this guy really respects, asked him. So out of out of respect, he he decided to come. Uh, and O'Neill's like, well, come on, clearly our, our grave is already dug. What's, what's worth even talking about? And like Samuel says, hey, don't worry. I, everything I've told him was nonpartisan. I've been completely neutral about everything. <laughs> uh, and like O'Neill's like, I don't, yeah, that's bullshit because Samuel's has been a thorn on our sides. Like from day one, he was calling for us to be, like for the Stargate to be shut down permanently while these people were on Chulag and abandoned them there because he was hostile to the very idea of there being a Stargate. Um, so yeah, uh, they, they they have a so now the good guys uh, get a little chance to uh, rebuke what he said, and like Carter's trying to sell them, uh, sell him on the science of it, since they've learned a lot of stuff about science and stuff. And then like Kinsey uh, like, addresses Daniel directly and <laughs> pulls out a half baked uh, Pandora's box metaphor that he's clearly like had one of his speechwriters come up with. This guy's an archaeologist, so come up with like some kind of ancient story I can like placate him with, so that that'll that'll help my case so he's like so daniel you know about pandora's box please tell us about it and daniel uh tells everyone the story of pandora's box that everyone knows uh she opened the box and everything all the evils flew up and then he closed it and there was still hope in it um so yeah uh St. kinsey the point of kinsey is like so we've already opened the stargate which is the pandora's box <laughs> and we should close it now while there's still hope 10 out of 10 metaphor no like my analogy is flawless you lose on the bell I, I never got that part of the myth <laughs> shouldn't you want hope to be out there with right. all the bad things right because like it's 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 good when all the bad things are trapped in the box but it's good when hope is trapped in the box also and the bad things are out there like just sowing chaos on the world yeah that's that's you know 
I feel like there was probably some mistranslation at some point right? in Greek. It's it's certainly a flawed analogy because uh, none of the mechanisms that uh, Ron that sorry Ronnie Cox is imagining uh, exist between the Stargate and this myth of Pandora's box actually exist. Um, and then that's when that's when Jack uh, decides to uh, charge in, I guess. Uh, and says, you know, I don't know. I may only be a small town country folk uh, colonel, Air Force colonel here, but uh, y- you know, the the box is already open, and we can't do anything about it. And now is not the time to close it because we should go out there and fight the aliens. Which I guess he he kind of loses the metaphor at some point there. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, like you so O'Neill tries to impress on him that the ghouls are out there and they're gonna attack and uh we need to be prepared for them or they're gonna destroy everything on earth and and Kinsey's like, Oh, here we go. I've heard a lot of times over the course of my career that people said that they we needed to approve the budget to the raise the military budget to like what, to build nukes because there's other nukes coming from the Russians because it was the Cold War and historically the US Senate, when when have they ever said no? Let's not build more nukes. It's 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 an insane thing he's saying right now. But anyway, um, and like yeah, uh, uh, Kinsey. So this is really circular. But K- Kinsey is not buying the threat that the the ghoul pose. I think like he he has his first instance there uh, of saying, "Hey, if they come, uh, let them come. We're gonna we're gonna beat them because we're so cool and strong because we're the United States of America." Is this where Daniel um, makes an explicit reference to Independence Day? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Daniel says we'll just upload a virus to there. Uh, it might be later, actually, but because uh, because like uh, Carter says, they they're gonna have ships in orbit and are gonna blast us with lasers. What the fuck do you think we're gonna do? Um, and like, yeah, I think that maybe there, Daniel says we'll just upload a virus to their computer, which is very funny. Haha, take that, uh, <laughs> Roland so Emmerich. Was Roland Emmerich complaining about the series by I, this I, point? I don't know if that was already going I on. I know he hates. I know he hates it. I, I'm wondering if he saw that episode and saw that joke and like shattered his brandy glass and then like decided like fuck fuck Stargate is you on. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you think yeah, the- you think Roland Emmerich drinks brandy? <laughs> no. Yeah. Sorry. Shattered his be- his beer boot at Oktoberfest. Uh, that that's more accurate. Um, <laughs> um, uh yeah so this is just like they they talk a little bit and then like uh they yeah they they just they, they just circle back to the point where Kenzie says okay I'm I gave my word to the president that I would hear you and here we are so make your case uh finally uh so uh that's like the end of act 1 of the episode I guess cuz it took us like 14 minutes to get there but then they like they they pass files all around the table and they start uh, going over the files, uh, quote unquote, of of the SGC, by which uh, we mean past episodes of this season. Because, um, like, yeah, most of the rest of this episode is going to be them summarizing uh, past episodes of the season. So, uh, and showing a clip of it. Yeah, showing a clip of it. So, as as if to save money by rerunning footage that they've already produced. Uh, as as if they have some kind of season finale coming up, which is going to be a bit 
more expensive on the special effects side, and they needed to make up for its budget by making another cheap episode. Uh, I just like how, like, immediately preceding the cliff, they explain the entire episode and then show you the cliff anyway. Yeah. Even though oh, you just you, had it explained you, to you. You gotta pad that time. They're gonna play the entire <laughs> clip of Caveman O'Neill talking later on. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a really thin episode. Not not a lot to say. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, uh, Samuels, like, reads the report from, like, Children of the Gods. Uh, it says it happened on February 10th. And I remember that pilot. They went to get only at his house in in like uh, Chicago, and it, the the trees were full of leaves. Not a drop of not a flake of snow in sight. He was outside in just and a leather jacket. And the outside of the gate. There's right. no snow in Colorado. Right. That was that was the summer. Come on, that was in February. Sloppy, sloppy writing, writers. Uh, slap on your fingers, right there. Slap on your wrist. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, they say okay, so. Uh, here's the scene where, uh, they, Apophis asked the Jaffa to shoot everyone, and then, like, uh, Teal uh, decided to betray the Jaffa and help us, and that's what happens, and they show the clip of that. And Apophis tells them to just kill everyone else in the room. They, he doesn't need anyone, any of them anymore. So, complete panic and pandemonium. All the prisoners start, start running to the back of the room as the Jaffa line up to just shoot him down. Um, and Teal'c, you know, goes, walks in front to lead them, because he's the, I guess, no, he walks right up to in front of them. Anyway, he's, he's their leader, so, of course, he's gonna lead this whole execution, uh, this firing squad. Uh, he looks like he's about to break down into tears at this point, because he really, uh, once again, Christopher Judge, hell of a face actor, uh, on top of being a great voice actor, because he, you, you can, you can tell in his face that he's about ready to, to, to give up this life, um, which like O'Neill picks up on because he yells at him. I can save these people. Help me. Help me. Many have said that. He tosses him his weapon, and they all—they both just start shooting all the other Jaffa, uh, and it's great. I love the scene when when Teal uh, has his it, face turn right there. It it uh, sure seems great. like the two of them take out five guys, like a lot of guys. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean. Teal'c is the first Prime, so he's like the best Jaffa on this planet, presumably. He's the one with the most experience, and O'Neill has, you know, Earth training and has used this before, I guess, and the other Jaffa are just slaves, I don't know, they, they're they just cannon fodder, <laughs> so they they, they, they they fall down pretty easily. Also, I think they start shooting at the crowd instead of at the two guys with the staffs, so that's not very tactically sound, but also they didn't, they didn't expect Teal'c to shoot at them. So, uh, element of surprise is on their side. Uh, we gotta cut to our friend, the caveman right there, <laughs> who's, I, I'm gonna guess, is the one you meant when you said that one of the prisoners stands out. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if he was the same one I see later, because it's like, in that close-up, mm-hmm. it looks like uh, half his head is, uh, well, obviously a wig. Mm-hmm. Not very well blended. Yeah, I think it's the same guy, because I, I remember reading that there's an earlier script 
uh, uh, an earlier draft of the script of this episode where this guy had a bigger role in it and it was kind of reduced to, to just being an extra, but they still had input on the costume that they'd prepared for this character. And that's why he stands out so much. Yeah, he's going to stand out even more like in the like the last scene of this episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so, uh, O'Neill and Teal have uh, finished shooting all the Jaffa in the room. They kind of shoot at the grate to scare the guards that are just outside of it to go away. Uh, then they turn around and shoot a big hole in the wall so that everyone can escape this place. Um, anyone who survived anyway, because I guess a bunch of the prisoners were also shot dead just now. Um, but yeah, they all uh, kind of just gather and squeeze through that hole, uh, start running out of there. Uh, we get like Tilk overlooking uh, the dead, his former dead comrades that he just killed. He kind of rips his chest plate off of his armor and drops it to the ground and uh, looks around and um and then like we cut back to the present and he says then we were uh, in the vancouver forest and we got attacked by a plane with lasers and then like they show a clip of that but yeah uh so the that ship starts like doing a bombing run on the running prisoners uh once again real bad time we get a cool CG shot of the ship going off into the distance, go, climbing up into the air, and then uh, doing kind of kind of a U-turn and coming back to bomb them some more. Uh, they shoot back at it with the staffs. It doesn't do much to it. Uh, the ship shoots them a little bit again. Um, you see a bunch of the prisoners die. Is this when? I forget. Yeah, uh, so Carter is like, uh, we're kind of fucked here. Uh, we're being bombarded and the Stargate is guarded. We don't have anywhere to go. So the ship is coming back to uh, blow them to oblivion one once and for all. And this is when I think, yeah, Kowalski has a big old rocket launcher and he just shoots that thing down. And we get to see it crash in a big fireball. Uh, <laughs> So the rest of this episode is going to be go real fast because we can just skip over all of that, honestly, because we've already talked about all of that. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. So after after they covered this part, uh, Kinsey's like, so this death glider you talked about, it seems Kowalski shot it down with just like a, a javelin missile or whatever it was. Uh, so it doesn't sound that impressive. I guess we could just shoot rockets at them, right? Uh, then they, they tried to get across to him that like Apophis sent one fighter after them because he thought they were just escaping slaves on foot running towards the Stargate and like he's not going to make these mistakes again. Uh and like Kinsey says, you get you got away with minimal casualties, which I'm pretty sure like a number of the pris the escaping prisoners and maybe some Earth soldiers died there. Not to not to mention Kowalski, who got infected by by a Gould. Uh, but oh, you know he does not give a no, single shit about yeah, the prisoners. No, of course not. Um, so uh, as he's saying that, the 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 gate starts to dial, and uh, and then like. That so Kinsey sees it turning on for the first time, and you see for a second he looks almost scared of it because you know he's never seen it open before. Um, 
And Hammond says, okay, it's just a G2 returning, uh, nothing to worry about. And like Kinsey, extremely full of bad faith, then stares at the Stargate with anger in his eyes and says, oh, I disagree. This is something to worry about for some reason, uh, because it's too much of an expense and economics or whatever. Uh, anyway, they just cut. That was just so very ominous way to do that and it's like it's like we already get it that you're the bad guy you don't like you don't like the the stargate whatever and it's like he, but he doesn't even have a point when he's saying that he says oh i think this is something to worry about it's like what are you talking about this are you is are you foreshadowing that something bad is going to come through the stargate because nothing happens he doesn't even like explain what he means by that anyway um Okay, so uh, I think we get like a, a commercial break there. And when we get back, we have O'Neill um, say, okay, so you you think that the gold are not that all, all that hot, huh? Well, how about this? That one time they shot us and we died. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they replay the bit from the Knox where they got shot by Apophis and the Jaffa and they all died. What a brag. Uh, Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they have, uh, his new first prime shackle goes forward, like touches the ground, uh, to, cause they, there's tracks and stuff and they're all like kind of just waiting and whoop, Teal pops out of the trees and start, <laughs> start shooting at them next to them, not at them. Sorry. And misses. Yeah, misses. Teal, very you, close you would range. Think, <laughs> you would think he would at least like nail one of the Jaffa there, but nope. Uh, the rest of SG1 is hiding up in the rocks and in the tree roots and stuff. They shoot at them. None of them hit a bead on any of them. I guess, uh, I don't, I don't think we even see Shackle get shot, but presumably Shackle does get shot here because we know he dies. Um, this is but, an uh, extremely 90s TV fight. It's, oh yeah, yeah. He's just, just bang, bang, bang shooting. No one gets hurt. No one gets hit. Uh, I will say, until they I will all say, die. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say that that four nineties. Oh no, uh, Shackle gets shot. There he goes. Okay, Teal gets missed him. Yeah, yeah, Teal uh, got him right there at the after end. The other, after the other three went down. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like a, a spite kill, I guess. The the, I mean, if we're to, if we compare it to to other shows, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it is. It is still kind of low budget, but it is definitely not uh, uh, four a.m. Uh, Cleopatra twenty five twenty five right uh, levels <laughs> of Gina uh, Taurus of is Cleopatra. Um, <laughs> she is not. No. Um, oh, she's not. But she's in that show. That's all. That's the only yes. thing I know about it. That that was her role before Firefly. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, the other thing is, like, yeah, uh, this, this goes bad, and there are consequences, all, actually, because, uh, like, you see O'Neill pop up from where, wherever he was hiding, gets a beat on Apophis with his dart gun, Apophis sees him, and, like, hits a button on his wrist, and a, whoop, a personal shield pops up, which blocks the dart. Uh, then he yells at one of his Jaffa, throws him a staff, uh, O'Neill tries to shoot him with this pistol, also blocked by the shield, and Apophis just straight up fucking murders O'Neill with a staff weapon right there, uh, Shoots and, him. You know, respect to Apophis for actually, you know, I would not expect him to know how to fire one of the guns. No, yeah, he, he knows enough to do that, and he doesn't fuck around. He, he fucking kills him. Uh, it goes into slow-mo, and we get a, uh, a close-up of his smoking dead body to really underline <laughs> it. Uh, no fakery here. Uh, everyone freaks out, of course. Uh, 
Carter very uh, tactically yells, Colonel, and leaps out of her hiding spot, only for Apophis to also shoot her. Um, and Daniel then, like, tries to run away, but he also gets nailed, uh, which, by the way, <laughs> you know, remember that counter that I started back in the movie? Add one over there, because Daniel just died again, second time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, as mentioned, uh, Teal uh, goes kind of berserk mode, shoots Shackle dead, and then like tries to hit Apophis a couple times with his staff weapon. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they don't even explain that. But then we met these other aliens that brought us back to life, you know, which you you might think might be of some kind of interest, but no. Um, yeah, like, this would have been a good point to bring up the, hey, you haven't been doing half of your job. <laughs> right? No, no one mentions it. Um, but then, like, in that clip, we saw Apophis use his uh, personal shield. So Carter is like, well, if they have personal shields, they can have ship shields also. Like that movie I can think about uh, with the virus. Um and then, uh, then Kizzy's like, have you seen any of these ships? And they go, uh, yeah, in the movie, because they play a clip of the movie of the ship landing on the pyramid. Because uh, what does come over the, sh the pyramid but another pyramid? But this one is a spaceship. Um, so they, the, 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 the spaceship kind of lands on top of the pyramid, which is... Uh, I guess that's the flip side of of Daniel Jackson's whole theory that the pyramids were there was more to them than uh, than there mm -hmm. seemed is that there were actually landing pads for these uh, these ships. Yo, dog! I heard you like pyramids. Uh huh. I heard you like pyramids. <laughs> so I have this pyramid ship right here. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna like park it on top of the tomb of your like king. If that's fine with you, <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> set this right here. I'll be right back. I swear. Uh huh. Uh, if there's anything, if there's any way to really, like, swing your dick at the natives of ancient Egypt <laughs> and, like, make him fear you as a god, it's to, like, flex this over their dead pharaoh and just land your pharaoh spaceship right on top of it. bury me upside down so rock can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, like, it's funny that, I guess they do show clips of the movie like all the time because that's where the footage of the Stargate opening is from. But uh, yeah, they just straight up I, for the first for at least the first first and second season maybe. Yeah, yeah. But, like definitely for the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they 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 redo all the effects when they move to HD, and I think season eight they might have shifted at some time between that. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, straight up we sh we see Ross ship landing on the pyramid from the movie, and then like we cut over to Singularity where you know. Uh, Nearty is attacking uh, that planet, and then they have to run off with O'Neill in an unexplained hazmat suit because they don't mention that there was a plague in this episode. Uh, with Teal explaining that Nearty is a is a real son of a gun, not son, I guess, because she's a woman. But anyway, um, and we see that it's a big honking old gold ship right there. Uh, <laughs> That, the, the, yeah, the first one we've seen in the series. It's it's a different class from the ones we saw. It's a different kind of ship from the ones we saw in the movie. So, but these these are going to be the ones that <laughs> that we see a bunch of in the series, um, with like the kind of round base and the pyramid on top of it uh, that goes through the, this base or whatever. Um, 
And Teal'c says, uh, yeah, that's a ghoul attack ship, so uh, that's bad. And Teal'c says, we need to go immediately. And now we, we're back on Hanka, and they're running in the fields towards the Stargate with two gliders shooting at them. And O'Neill has put his full hazmat suit back on, which I just think is really funny that it's like, okay, we need to really hurry and get out of here. And, uh, you know, he, he went, okay, let's just, <laughs> let me just put this bulky, big hazmat suit back on, then we can run out, which... You know, it is necessary because there is a plague on this planet, but uh, it really puts a, a hamper on you, t- on you trying to skedaddle out of there. Um, but yeah, they are running, and the- these gliders are shooting straight at them and miss them by just a couple feet each time, and it, they, they come really close to blowing up there. Uh, they end up diving in the, in the, uh, on the side of the road to hide from these gliders. Uh, and near give, uh, sorry, Teal'c gives us some some exposition here. Uh, and also, like, he misgenders Nirti. Uh, he says he once sent an emissary of peace, but, you know, a uh, couple things. It's it's obviously an accidental one. Uh, like, you can... Because, uh, you know, the writers hadn't yet decided that Nirti would be a woman, but also, you know, you can justify that Teal'c probably just never... has never seen Nirti, so he doesn't know that she's a woman. Or maybe, like, Nirti was was uh, in a male host in the, at some point in the past, and uh, that's that's what Teal was thinking of. But, you know, it's just funny that uh, they just uh, changed, changed their minds about this later on. Um, so, yeah, the exposition Teal gives here uh, is that uh, at one point, Near T sent an emissary of peace uh, over to Apophis to negotiate a treaty, uh, but, whoops, it was a trick. And what actually happened was uh, the emissary blew up as soon as it got near the gate. And, you know, uh, and they put two and two together and go, oh, shit, wait. Actually, it's weird that they think that because, you know, they haven't seen the other side of this plot where they find this bomb in the girl. So O'Neill really makes a lot of leaps of logic and turns out to be right there. Uh, uh, But, yeah. As the only survivor of this planet, it would make sense that it would be the same plot if if, if that's the only thing Nirti ever does, I guess, which I should point out is not, because Teal can only have uh, are, have finished dialing the Stargate and they manage to run and j- jump through it at the last moment as they're uh, being fired upon and they just come flying through it like a bunch of dust and rubble come come flying off behind them as they go through the Stargate. And yeah, that's it. And then Kinsey's like, well, again, you escaped on foot. Uh, and then Daniel says, yeah, but that, that ship like killed everyone on that planet. And once again, not mentioning <laughs> that it didn't do that with lasers, though. It did that with a plague. But anyway. Um, and uh, I guess they move on from Cold Lazarus uh, after that. Because they, yeah, okay. Uh, Sam says, we've seen the gold destroy entire civilizations. And like the best example for that we have is these blue crystals we found. <laughs> uh, so they replay the seed where uh, Carter's talking to the crystal and it explains that the gold destroyed them. And that they cut down, they cut back to the first scene from that episode where O'Neill gets zapped by that crystal. So uh, Carter uh, crouches back in front of the the crystal and like puts her face in front of it and tries to talk to it and it forms her face again, uh, starts talking to her. Uh, that's when it yeah it explains that uh, it's it's an energy life form whatever uh, they they call call themselves the Unity. 
um, they asked, how come you haven't talked to us before? And they, it says, well, we were afraid of you because uh, the gold came to our planet and um, we ac accidentally zapped them back then too, like we did you. Uh, so they, they look around a bit. O'Neill finds a big honkin one that looks uh, in pretty good shape. He approaches it. We get a, like a creepy first person look from inside that crystal, looking back at O'Neill with like a weird uh, music video distortion thing that makes him look all weird. Um, he kind of like just reaches out to touch it, I guess, because he's curious and gets blasted back into the sand and knocked out. And one of them died, and they got real angry at that and shot shot all of us. So we're uh, we were really afraid of you because uh, we thought the same thing was gonna ha was gonna happen when we hurt you. Um, uh, and then we don't get any more context from that. Um, how? How defensive do we think those crystals were? Uh, I mean, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we've covered that in that episode, but it was basically just like a reflex. It was like a, that, that those crystals like discharged almost by accident and then like it felt sorry and wanted to make up for it. Um, anyway, uh, that part with the crystals, for some reason, did not convince Kinsey. Uh, <laughs> but he says... Uh, let me, let me state, at this point, I'm starting to side with Kinsey. Uh -huh. Around in this episode is when I'm like, yeah, this senator might... I, I understand his position. Yeah, I mean, they, they choose bad clips to show him. This the, That's the thing, though, because like, they, they put no context to it. Like, if, you, if, if Kinsey saw the whole episodes, he might agree with them. But no, he just gets like two minutes of <laughs> he footage. He said he read the whole report. Right, he did. He's, he's seen the whole episode, that's right. you know? He, but there's, there's no nuance to it. You couldn't see like the painting Teal's face when he was switching sides in that report. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Like, if you're trying to convince them, like, if one of your arguments is uh, th these aliens have destroyed civilizations, like, okay, uh, mm -hmm. what kind of civilization? Oh, a bunch of crystals. <laughs> oh, it's like crystals I can fight back. No, yeah. just crystals That's on just, the ground. No, yeah. Just these blue crystals. We could, like, we humans could have, like, technically dropped a bomb on these crystals and also destroyed them. So we picked the worst possible example to really get a get across the, th the threat of these gold Um like, especially when yeah, there Kamika, have been multiple episodes this at this point. Uh, <laughs> this alien race, uh, they've, they've devastated all the coconuts. Uh, <laughs> they've just rounded up all the coconuts and bombed them. Uh, we can't fight them. That's not that military might. Yeah, Co and coconuts, well known as one of the harder fruit, you should, you should be reminded. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there have been multiple episodes thus far this season. This season, where the Gavold have just wiped out every all human life on a planet. Right, they have done that, and uh, including the one on the alternate Earth that Daniel really wants to talk about, but he's been he's been told not to. Um, so uh, yeah, Kin Kin Kinsey's like, all right, uh, okay, so they're strong. They've they've destroyed crystals. Great. Uh, so Tilk, tell me, if they're so strong, how come you switch sides? And Tilk is like. Well, because you you absolute dipshit, because they're horrible, like, fascist invaders, like imperialists, and they've enslaved all my people. I switched sides to fight against them, you fucking ghoul. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and the Republican senator is like, okay, and so why did you switch sides? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand here. Uh, explain it like explain it to me like I'm a child. Um 
Why then, like, would you not stay with the most powerful side? Uh, as an American, this concept is uh, foreign to me. Alien no and intriguing sense. to me. Yeah. Uh, and since it's foreign, I want to destroy it. Um, so, uh, yeah, th- so he says... And, and so, also, we're going to bring up... The, also, at some point, you should brought... Like, you're, you're a black guy and you're signing with it. You're going to have some bad experiences when you're off the uh-huh. base. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, we're going to get to that eventually also. Um... But no, uh, so like uh, Kinsey sits back down. I think Samuel's like uh, <laughs> takes it up from there. He's like, so after you came back from Chulai, Kowalski was a gould, and we just flashed to the enemy within, uh, specifically the part where Kowalski's gold was trying to escape and fighting with Teal'c, and then they shot the Stargate and he died. Um, Uh, yeah, so we cut back to uh, the control room uh, where Kowalski finishes entering the coordinates and he uh, gets the blast doors to come down to try to lock himself in the gate room, essentially. Uh, but Tilk is already there and he's standing on the ramp with his legs like spread eagle, weirdly enough. It, it, he has a weird like power pose that he's trying to, to, to hold like in front of the ramp to prevent him from passing. Uh, I don't know, I just, just think it looks a little silly. Um, then, like, yeah, Teal'c says, you cannot pass, and it was a few years too early for that to be a Lord of the Rings reference, but it's real close. Um, <laughs> Kowalski then goes, ah, and just, like, tosses both <laughs> of his fists up in the air to, like, like he's in Hydra, and he just runs at Teal'c and uh, tries to tackle him, basically, into the Stargate, but uh, Teal'c is a large man, so he can't be tackled that easily. Um, You'd think the ancestral memory would tell the Gaul that the Jaffa body is stronger than yours. Yeah. I mean, like, Gaul also have improved body in relation to their hosts. And Kowalski was an Air Force major, so, you know, that guy still works out, even though he's clearly not as muscular as Teal'c is. Um, So, yeah, uh, we're back in the control room with the blast door shut and Hammond and O'Neill are there. They see that the self-destruct is set. Uh... O'Neill asks, "How how did he how did he know how to set the self destruct?" And Hammond says, uh, "I don't know how, but it needs two officers to override it, and we're here right now, so let's do that." Uh, they both type each on their own keyboard. Thankfully, it's not like that uh, NCIS bit. Um, <laughs> so we cut back to the gate room where uh, the gold and Teal'c are are wrestling on the ramp right in front of the Stargate, um, trying to like. I guess, yeah, uh, so Kowalski is trying to run out into um, into the Stargate, and Teal'c is trying to hold him back. He does manage like, kind of dip his head into it before Teal'c pulls him back from it, which I don't know if, if the implication is that this, yeah, I guess the implication is that O'Neill gets the idea to essentially use the Stargate to kill this Gwold and also Kowalski at this point, because he specifically tells Teal'c to hold his head in the Stargate, or there's like another uh, interpretation is that from his point of view, uh, O'Neill didn't see that the head was partially in the Stargate, and when he said hold him there, he meant hold him in front of the Stargate. But anyway, O'Neill yells uh, at the people there to shut down the Stargate. Um, yeah, they did kind of pick all of the clips where the Gaula just gets their shit handed to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So like it, it comes back and Kitsi's like, well, clearly you lost a fine officer, Charles Kowalski, personally, like trying to play sympathy for Kowalski against them, which is like shitty enough. I think he's like, so he, he, you know, he got got by a ghoul because the Stargate was open. So we should shut it to make sure that other scenarios like this don't happen again. Um, uh, oh, Dan- and like, like that he- Jack has a very good, like, ang- angry face at the end of the Kowalski oh, yeah. clip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and only like just is just like very, uh, uh, like you can tell the the wound of Kowalski's death is still fresh in Olino's mind. And as like Kinsey's trying to like uh, use that sympathy against him, it's it O'Neill is really doesn't appreciate that. Um, so then Kinsey just points at Samuels and he goes, uh, okay, okay, uh, there was a caveman virus once. Uh, and then like we get a long ass clip from the broker divide. Like first of all, we get Hammond calling the president to tell him to shut the base down. And then we get like two minutes of caveman O'Neill talking with Fraser and that's it. So it's really bad. Uh, it's bad enough that Hammond uh, goes up to his office and uh, picks up the phone and calls our buddy Clinton and tells him, uh, yeah, Bill, hi. <laughs> we, we fucked up here. Uh, we kind of brought a plague back from the, through the Stargate and uh, I've locked down the base. Uh, you should probably put guards up there and shoot anyone that comes out. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Bye. Uh, we get, we get a little scene back on Earth where they've apparently run out of cells to stick people in and now Hammond has it. And, uh, Fraser is still fine. And, uh, the couple orderlies that are with her are also still fine. Um, but we get, uh, sedated, uh, caveman Teal'c in the corner of his cell who's like, uh, not moving much because he's been shut up, uh, like an elephant on tranquilizers. Uh, he, and he's, uh, regained enough uh, brain function essentially to uh, form some basic words uh, kind of croaks them out so he has difficulty saying it uh, Richard Dean Anderson does a like solid job doing this weird kind of acting in this episode like you you need to act like a caveman who's having trouble talking and also you're you're on tranquilizers and you're trying to fight off passing out at the same time and he he kind of sells it <laughs> he, he does like weird broad gestures and everything seems hard to him and it's hard for him to talk um anyway he, he sticks his arm out at fraser and asks for more tranquilizer um and she, yeah so she she relents and uh, agrees to do this and he starts asking uh more questions when he's more tranquilized and she uh she gets that uh, the more tranquilized at him, the more it knocks out uh, his primitive brain and it lets his uh, modern brain <laughs> come f- come forward and lets him have more abstract thought, I guess. Um, so she talks to him a little bit and he manages to... like, Yeah, <laughs> he manages to ask questions about what this thing is, which uh, allows Fraser to give us some exposition uh, and I think this is when, she, yeah, she, she mentioned that, uh, it's a virus that breaks down histamine, which, if you know science words, is, histamine is the hormone, I think, that, uh, makes your, uh, nose run and sniffle, and it's what you have when you have allergies. Um, it's what gives you allergies, it's also what gives you colds when you have cold symptoms. 
so yeah, yeah, but she doesn't explain it right now. So it's only if you understand this these things. Um, but yeah, uh, Oni asks uh, Fraser to experiment on him, and she refuses basically. Like that's that that's that that's what we get from this episode. No, no, no more context. They don't even mention the fact that it was a caveman virus, but it was that happened. There was a sickness and it was bad, but then they fixed it. Uh, and then we get back to the present, and O'Neill <laughs> says, "Well, we did save everyone on that planet, so it's a good thing we did back then." You see, you see how that happens, right? Uh, and then Kizzy's like, "Well, but can you imagine how bad it would have been if it the virus had gotten out of here?" Um, yeah, and then Kinsey's like, I, at this point, I, I side with Kinsey. <laughs> I, I have to side with him. That's uh-huh. a valid argument. Yeah, I mean, but they are not. At at this point, uh, the SGC is not covering itself in no, glory. No, it's not. And it's it's like uh, the 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 best argument they have is the one they told Daniel not to say, right? Because they might get here with chips. The only way we have to fight back is to find a way to use the Stargate to stop them from attacking us. And like they, they, they just say, no, let's talk about the, the this other bullshit that happened. Uh, so and then Kizzy's like, you remember the time, Jack, when you went to a planet and you got old and almost died? And Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> that episode. So we cut to that episode. We get some shots of, like, the old O'Neill getting old and then, like, the pit with the nanocytes eating through the rubber gloves. Um... So we go back to the planet and we get... Uh, the first state of the old man makeup on this episode, which is uh, still tasteful, I guess. Uh, <laughs> O'Neill has he like gets kind harder of harder and harder to look at over yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seems like they get cheaper and cheaper, or they ran out of time to make better makeup. Because uh, that's clearly a little. On. Yeah, it's a little cavemany right a here. A little bit, yeah. like the, the brow is less pronounced. The thing is, he has a much higher forehead. Oh. With like, he's like balding like his uh he has a receding hairline and it, he he's a little more pockmarked and a little more wrinkly and like his acting at this stage is basically just grumpy he's just like he he just kind of grumbles his lines out and he's very annoyed and he he's just like yeah he's he, he's at uh he's he's at the age of grumpiness um so he asks <laughs> Uh, Carter, what's going on? If they figure anything out, and she says, uh, "We haven't really figured anything out, except that there's something in the blood, I guess." But she doesn't even, s- uh, yeah, okay, she says that that uh, whatever it is is multiplying and it's going faster and faster in O'Neill, which means he's gonna catch up to uh, the people there and age even faster than they will, uh, which is you know big problem. They they say. So at the rate it's going, he'll be over a hundred uh, within two weeks of catching this thing. Uh, so of course he'll be dead by then. So we're back on Earth where they're doing more experiment, where they're I guess trying to feed the nanocyte to figure out what makes it tick, and they have it in this like isolation pod thing uh, with some holes with rubber gloves, which is like the only way you can manipulate stuff inside of it. Uh, very high tech looking, and like uh, Carter is kind of trying to feed the nanocytes something with a syringe or something. Um, Looks like Dexter's mom is doing science. Uh-huh. 
Um, wait, uh, do you, which Dexter do you mean? The one, the, the serial killer Dexter? Oh, uh, uh, from the laboratory. Okay, yeah, that's the one I thought also. I just realized afterwards uh, you could have meant uh, someone else. Okay. No, not uh, Anthony Michael Hall? Right. Yeah. The, Question that, mark? That's his name. Uh, yeah, same Dexter I'm familiar with. I'm glad I understood the right reference there. Uh, but, okay, so uh, the rubber gloves inside this thing, like an alarm sound, uh which, by the way, you know, this thing is hooked up to, to some alarms that can detect r- really minute changes in the integrity of rubber, apparently. Uh, but, like, yeah, she notices that the, the gloves start kind of flaking off of her hands, and she, like, immediately uh, pulls her hands out and sees the thing and goes to wash her hands. Uh, and they're like, ooh, scared of it, because uh, these nanocytes are, trying to, are starting to spread and might be dangerous, actually. Between the, uh, in between scenes, they've sent... Uh, O'Neill a recording on a portable TV that he can watch where they can like tell him uh, what happened because um, they say yeah we can we can send you stuff but uh, the, the general won't let anyone else come through the gate uh, so no one can go over there and help you anymore uh, so they give him like kind of farewells on this video and Sorry, Tilk, uh, Tilk says, uh, Colonel, you know, I've come to learn a great deal from you. And uh, I guess that's it. So we get a close-up of O'Neill, who is now, I guess, it's, it looks like the same makeup as before, but his beard is longer. <laughs> and then, like, we get back to, to the, the briefing room, and, like, Daniel was like, yeah, but, like, we saved these people, and they, 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 they had, like, bad short lives, and the fact that we went there and figured out the problem means that now they, they, they can have normal lives, and I'm really proud of it. Uh, uh, so, Daniel says, apparently, SG2 went back to that planet to check on them, and everyone there is happy now, and everything is fine, and boy... Poor Ferretti and SG2, like they they have like the second contact jobs, I guess. Like just just making me think uh-huh. of uh, you know Star Trek Lower Decks, where they're they're basically the ship that does like the the mop up missions after <laughs> the main people have done their thing there. Uh, to just I, I I don't know, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't buy this. I'm st- I'm still pretty sure they went back to that planet and everyone was dead babies. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and like O'Neill says, the most backwild line in this episode, he says, "I might even retire there." No, you won't. Come on, don't kid anyone. This is no one's gonna think of that planet ever again. That's bullshit. I, deep, I deeply respect O'Neill, considering that as his <laughs> retirement destination. Uh, ancient uh-huh. Greece, where all they do is party. Yeah, why? wouldn't yeah. I retire there oh yeah you're right it, it's basically like a fraternity forever on that planet um toga parties every night uh so yeah uh is it do we even have any more clips after that no that, that was the last one the last clip they play in this episode is brief candle um what a weird yeah their clips honestly it's, it's, uh, i i feel like they were looking at some kind of like i don't know the popularity stuff or their focus groups and, the, and we're like, oh, the, these are the episodes with the the best hooks to get people to watch this show that haven't watched it before. Uh, and like... It, Which doesn't quite feel right to Yeah, me. no, it's just... It's it's not the ones with interesting stories and lore and like, they don't, they don't show any clips from like Bloodlines or The Torment of Tantalus or Thor's Hammer or Solitudes. Like, all the good episodes that establish cool 
things about the lore. That's not that doesn't translate to a two minute clip. Like that's not a gimmick you can like explain in a minute. So they don't even like they don't even show up. Like they don't even they don't even do anything that's like actually like would be good in contributing to this no, argument. Right? Like so we get like I mean it's a bad episode, but <laughs> Hathor is a good argument here. It's like yeah. There, there's shit already here. Right. We need this to yeah. figure out what's going oh, on. Yeah, I, I, I guess they already knew they should never mention Hathor. They, they don't mention Hathor or Emancipation, which good on them for that. The, the two worst episodes of the season. Um, but yeah, uh, basically, like uh, the argument is done at this point. Kinsey's like, okay, I haven't heard anything to change my mind here. Uh, I'm gonna shut you down and fuck all y'all, and I'm <laughs> leaving. Um, and that's it. And yeah, uh, as he's as he's getting up, Daniel decides, okay, eleventh uh, hour hail mary time now. I'm gonna get up and say, hey, senator, what if I told you I have a good reason to believe that they're cool about what? to send ships to Earth? Uh, what if I told you the most buck wild shit you've ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> and then like, oh, you like it sees what Daniel's doing and kind of like, like starts scratching his face and going, oh dear, fuck, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Senator Kinsey, Kin- Kin- you need to, you need to understand. Uh, I went mm-hmm. back in time in a DeLorean. <laughs> I've seen some crazy <laughs> stuff. And right. you have to believe me. Uh, yeah, he says I've seen uh, the evidence like that that they're about to send ships, and Kizzy's like, "Well, how? Where did you learn that?" And Kenyon says, "Okay, well, uh, it's gonna <laughs> take a little bit for you to like buy this, but well, I just went to an alternate reality." Da- and Daniel, uh, Daniel honestly, tries to bury that for a very long just time. Being like. <laughs> he he could have just been all like, "I, I just." This was on the mission we just came back uh-huh. from. It will be in my. It will be in my uh-huh. report. Yeah, but <laughs> I guess he figures there's no time to produce a report because they're about to be shut down here. Um, because the, the way Daniel presents that is the last mission. Uh, I went to a world that was kind of a lot like ours, and this is a situation he's <laughs> he's being very active of dancing around the world alternate reality until Samantha uh-huh. just throws him under the fucking yeah. bus. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then, like, K- Kinsey clearly, like, get the, uh, uh, scoffs and goes, well, uh, that's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. Excuse me, fuck you. And he just, like, walks past him, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, uh, to be fair, you know, uh, if everything is different in the alternate he- reality, we've talked about it last week, but, uh, there's no, like, okay, it's, it would be a good next mission to go to these coordinates just in case, but they, they don't actually know that an attack is going to come the way it did in, in, on the other Earth. Um, unrelatedly, this episode well, is he, to be continued, but, you know. <laughs> he could have presented that a bit better. You're right. Uh, and Daniel tries to tell him, hey, over on that reality, there were, like, shooting lasers at us from space and there's nothing we could do. And, like, Kinsey's not even listening. Uh, he's, he pretty much yells at him, like, to shut up. Uh, <laughs> um... And like yeah, Daniel tries to 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 explain that. Well, uh, two years ago we killed Ra, and like that's the same thing that happened on this other planet, and that was like the trigger that caused everything that came uh, after to happen. Uh, 
So uh, everything is probably going to happen the same over here. Uh, we should probably at least go there and check it out. Uh, and then, like Kinsey, then then Kinsey pulls his own bullshit after that, and it's like, well, if if they send ships, uh, God is going to protect us, and like, cause 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 yeah. we're the God's chosen people, and this is, is we're going to be all right, and we're going to fight them, and like, uh, yeah, clearly this is uh, the, the, you can't reason with that at that point. It's just uh, two walls arguing against each other uh and that's it uh yeah both both Tilk and jack are clearly clearly angry and try to basically yell at kinsey that uh yeah no if if there are ships out there and we're we we don't stand a single chance against them and we're gonna lose and like kinsey's like well no we're not gonna lose and that's it bye um and yeah i that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, Kinsey leaves, and then Samuel's like tries to equivocate that he's leaving, and he's like, "Ah, you guys, for what? You, you know, I like I was rooting for you. I was really hoping you'd convince him." And <laughs> just gets up and yells at him to fucking get out of here. Um, <laughs> and he was like, "Okay," and he just leaves. Um, and then like uh, that, and then uh, after he's done that, Tilk is like, "Well, General, uh, I'm gonna go back to Chulak now because uh, you're about to shut down the Stargate, and uh, and I, I can't I can't be here." Uh, and Hammond says like, "No, I can't do that because apparently part of the deal is that the second that Kinsey has reached a decision, that's when that's when like the faucet <laughs> is turned off and like no more money, which means we have to shut down immediately, like not even tomorrow. Makes no, yeah, makes <laughs> no mean, sense. Come on, at least give him time to get back to DC. <laughs> like the, like the, the, the speed of bureaucracy, apparently faster than the speed of light. Um, and, and, and like Carter rightly points out, Hey, we still have two teams off world. We can't just strand them there. And Hammond's like, yeah, well, okay, we'll keep the lights on until they can, they come back, but that's all we can do. And, that's the end of it. Uh, and then all we get is a slow pan to SG-1 staring out the window. And then, like, we see the Stargate and to be continued. So <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. Uh, short episode when you cut out all the clips of this clip show. Shockingly, I know. Um, I don't hate this episode because it adds, like, a, like a, another dimension in the middle of the, the high-tension arc of the end of this season um and you know it does introduce uh senator kinsey who is going to be a recurring villain uh and uh you know it's 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 another dimension it's like the 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 bureaucratic part of of the of this of this show that that shows its head uh and i i guess also kind of conclude the whole uh, the whole we're not bringing anything back like subplot of this show which was like running in the background like we had the Secretary of Defense whine about it that, that one time and like this is the, pretty much the last time it comes up is, is in this episode because you know so uh, officially the Stargate is shut down uh, you might notice there's one more episode in this season so uh, we're not done here uh, This this by the way this doesn't really work because you might think this is kind of a metaphor for the network wanting to cancel the show, but uh, the thing is that they they already had a season two, like they signed two seasons from the start. So uh, you know, it's if if you want to read it as as a metaphor for that, it's only like theoretically because the show was not actually up against the wall. But it is fun to read it that way, I guess. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's it for politics. Uh, next week we'll have 
the season one finale, which is called Within the Serpent's Grasp, which uh, you can imagine what that's about uh, if you remember who's the serpent in the, the Stargate universe. Uh, not Stargate universe, Stargate SG-1, you know what I mean. Um, and that's it. And uh, I forgot to put up the question post until we had just started recording, and this was a very short recording session, so <laughs> no one put up any questions. I'm sorry once again, everyone. Um, so I guess we're just gonna like call it call it a night and like call you all back here in a week to finish season one. Uh, <clears throat> Kevika, any uh, expertise uh, you you want to bring us? Even though I guess probably uh, government budgets aren't. <laughs> your expertise but anything you want to tell us uh no uh no not really uh like i said uh there's there's a lot of there's a lot of claims of uh of money being spent that i find to be i'm a little incredulous yeah, dubious, at, but yeah. uh uh all right no, no, it's fine. It's no, fine. That's about, it's fine if you don't have right. like the, a, a clip from a, a past part of your life to 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 give us because that's that's all you can, it could be really. Um, M, anything you want to uh, you want to say to everyone before we go? Um, yeah, I didn't really have a good spot to bring it up in this huh? episode. But this was actually the first episode of Stargate I oh, ever saw God. as a kid. No, I, I also wanted to say that, and I forgot. I believe the first ever Stargate episode I saw was this one, also like the French dub of it specifically, which is weird because it's it's like a good one to enter in yeah, on it's... because it gives you a bunch of like clips from past episodes, and you can kind of catch up a bit. But yeah, which I guess is the point of why clip shows exist uh-huh. in addition to budget yeah. saving. But it's just it's like this and the next one. I definitely saw like back to. Back uh-huh. to back at like tail end of a marathon or yeah. something. Yeah, that's I, I I the first couple seasons I watched in French, and I believe like the 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 part where I first jumped in was this specific episode, which is it's funny that we both like, uh, like we both came in at the same time like this. But yeah, <clears throat> Jimmy Dean, any other TV shows or last notes you want to tell everyone before we go? Uh, before I go into TV shows, uh, I will say I just finished. Uh, covering basically like the executive and judicial and legislative branches and my civics classes. So I'm very happy to oh, see that Gen- general Hammond <laughs> is being very civic minded uh, when he's explaining to O'Neill <laughs> how basic government works. This- <laughs> yeah. Let's get, let's catch up our maybe non-American or younger viewers who don't understand these things. No, just, it's, it's every time. O'Neill's yeah. Like, wait, uh, how does this guy get to come in and tell us what we do? And, Hammond's like uh, he, uh-huh. he's an elected representative in our government that we yeah. gave him the power. Right. We, we voted and yeah, he won. Oh, yeah, <laughs> o- O'Neill specifically says, "Doesn't president outrank senator?" And, and Hammond's like, "So no, like the government isn't a military. It's not a strict hierarchy, and you know whatever." Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's really that's a really good point. This, like, this was very this was very helpful for young Canadians. Uh, uh, yeah. I, does O'Neill like? I have to imagine it's just military with Jack. Like the only people mm-hmm. he hangs out mm-hmm. with are military. He doesn't really leave bases. He had his wife and his kids. Pretty but much, his entire life is military. So that is his yeah. uh, his viewpoint. Uh, just weird, mm-hmm. weird, weird, weird. Uh, good to see that this episode mm-hmm. is uh, showcasing uh, our civic structure in the United States. Even if that guy's yeah. going to shut down the Stargate. Yeah, 
That's 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 the consequence of it. Uh, it gives the sen- it gives one senator the power to stop any effort at sp- stopping an alien invasion uh, in the very specific context of this show. That's the price of liberty, but, uh, y'all. Um, in terms yep. of yep. TV shows, uh, Titans came back for its fourth season, so I've been watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, uh, for yeah. those who aren't watching Titans, I'm going to share my favorite tidbit mm-hmm. of it. Which is, uh, at this point in the fourth mm-hmm. season, every woman that is introduced into the show who is around Dick Grayson's age, uh, he has slept with previously. <laughs> it, is, it is now a reoccurring thing. <laughs> every woman of around his age. That's what the, it, it isn't like Dick Grayson will hook up with him. He has. He has. He's the he's, he's the biggest slut of the DC universe. That's, that's a constant across all, all continuities for sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's and, definitely consistent with the comics. Uh, this uh, this morning, I actually watched the first episode of Garcia. I will watch uh, some more of that. That is mm-hmm. uh, a dramatic interpretation of Austin Powers as filmed in Spain. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a combination of words I wasn't expecting. Uh. <laughs> yeah, if, if Spanish uh, James Bond was frozen in the 60s and woke up in 2021, yes. Oh, all right, cool. And, and dramatic, so non-comedic, great. All right. Yes. Uh-huh. Is that all? <laughs> that's what I got for you. <laughs> yeah i mean i've I've been watching andor also I, we haven't mentioned it but andor is great everyone is ranting about andor all the time uh watch andor there's one episode left as I, of our recording i i could rant so, about andor i have things to rant about uh-huh yeah <laughs> well if you, if you feel like it go ahead it's like it's a short episode anyway so we have time if you feel like it if you don't it's fine it also no i I, I would really appreciate if Andor and the other Disney Plus shows uh, could figure out how to structure their episodes to be episodes, as opposed oh, yeah, to taking a three-hour yes. movie and just, yes. just cutting uh, it up. Andor is very much like a 12-episode novel that is just cut up at regular time intervals and not... like the, the 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 mini like the three episode arcs are fairly well delineated, but like the individual episodes are very much yeah we're a third of the way through this story, so we're gonna stop here. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, it always feels it's, but it's, but yeah, it it's a major trend I have seen particularly with Disney Plus series. Yeah, yeah, because they they're not made as yeah, TV extremely. shows, even though they're the only ones that are really releasing like weekly anymore. They're, they don't release like as a binge format. But yeah, that, that makes the end of every Andor episode a little frustrating because you're like, okay, like this could keep going, but now I have to wait a week for the next one, which, you know, that's that's a way to keep the viewers hooked, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's basically why I gave up on all the, on all the Marvel shows yeah, at this point. I mean, also... Even the ones that are supposedly good, it's just like, yeah. no, no, you're just very frustrating right. to watch. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, f- yeah. I, I think, like, still, the, the best of the, those Marvel shows is probably low-key and, like, WandaVision. None of the other ones have been as good as that. I mean, She-Hulk was, was pretty good, but the end was kind of, eh, take it or leave it, I guess. Uh, it's probably, like, going to be a divisive way to end the series because it, it takes a wild swing and some people are going to like it and others won't, and that's fine. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, that's it for TV shows, I guess. Oh, so, like, Cuphead is back. Uh, that's a great little cartoon. I like it. 
if you don't watch the Cuphead show, it's 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 like Looney Tunes. Well, I mean, you know what Cuphead is? It's old 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 style cartoons, uh, but done uh, with modern means, I guess. Uh, it's pretty funny. I like it. Uh, and that's it for this episode. So yeah, uh, next week or thereabouts, uh, season one finale within the Serpent's Grasp, Uncree.